Welcome to The Paleo View. I'm bestselling author and co-creator of realeverything.com, Stacey Toth. I focus on being healthy inside and out through real life, food, and talk. I'm Dr. Sarah Ballantyne, New York Times bestselling author and creator of thepaleomom.com. I'm passionate about improving scientific literacy around public health topics. I like hashtags and bone broth. And I'm just a super nerd. Welcome back to the Paleo View, everybody. Today is the last week that I am not coming to you from Virginia. <laughs> Hi, Sarah. How are you? I am well, um, but I haven't been traveling for coming up on two months now, right? 61 days. Oh, we just passed two months. Happy two-month uh, road trip anniversary. <laughs> we are heading home tomorrow, and I am so, so, so ready to, like, climb into my bed and snuggle my pets and just like sleep for a week. So, um, but I'm also super, super jazzed that we're able to do this podcast before we get back on the road and the whole shebang, because you and I have been talking about doing this topic for a long time. Also a little taboo. So let me just warn our listeners, um, depending on who you're listening to this podcast with and what you're comfortable with. This week, we will be talking about hormones and parts of the human body that little that you might not want little ears to listen it's, to. It's specifically, this is specifically a men's health podcast, which is a, a really fun topic for us to, to cover. Specifically, we're going to be talking about men's hormonal and reproductive health, which does mean we're going to be talking about some anatomy. And uh, that may be a topic that if you are used to listening to our podcast uh, while driving your kids to preschool and you don't want to have all the questions to answer just just today, um, this might be a good one to turn off and listen at a later date when there aren't little ears in the room. On the flip side of that, I'm excited to share it with my boys who will be familiar with some of this information. And I think it's important that we, as science-loving people on this podcast, address things from a scientific perspective. So maybe after you listen to the show, if you do want to share it with a teenage boy or your husband or your brother or your dad, we would love for you to do that. Or your wife. Yes, Absolutely. I forgot about our eight male listeners. (laughs) (laughs) Well, this topic is uh, thanks to a question from one of our uh, male listeners. So um, before we get into it, though, we should mention that this episode is sponsored by Everlywell, which is an awesome partnership for this particular podcast because we're going to be talking about testosterone uh, what's really amazing about Everly Well, if you're not familiar with them, they are a at-home lab testing company that offers a huge variety of lab tests. Um, they're typically done very simply in your own home. They're either like a skin prick test where you dab a drop of blood onto a little piece, special piece of paper, or they're saliva tests or urine tests. The kit comes to you, uh, you open it up and you follow the instructions, you mail it back, you get the results um, digitally delivered to you in a very short period of time. 
Everything is done in certified labs. Um, everything's reviewed by a physician and it's super convenient. And a lot of these tests are tests that are not necessarily tests that a conventional doctor would would think to do. They fall, a lot of them fall under more of the functional medicine realm. So it makes a lot of that testing very accessible and affordable. So a lot of these tests, um, I know some of the tests are uh, cheaper than my copay would be with, with health insurance, but also some of them, you know, if I wanted to do this testing through my functional medicine doctor, I'd have to pay out of pocket. So this is a really affordable way to get that testing. So uh, if you're interested in checking out Everly Well, I know we'll be mentioning a few tests in particular as we go through the show, um, but you can go to everlywell.com forward slash the paleo view. That's E-V-E-R-L-Y well dot com forward slash the paleo view and you can get 15% off with the coupon code the paleo view. I love to think of them as private and accessible and affordable. Like it, it just, it covers so many bases for whatever um, someone might need. So the, I mean, the other thing about it is how it's from you to them and private. So privacy is a really, a really excellent point to emphasize. Um, they, this isn't particularly relevant to the rest of the show, but they do do testing like STD panels that, um, you might not want to go through your doctor, right? So, um, everything that they do is completely private. And so it's your information to, um, act on or share with your physician. Of course, we always recommend sharing uh, medical information and medical data with your healthcare providers, but it is uh, your information to to act on as you see fit, which I think is um, a very empowering thing. Absolutely. So my sincere apologies to our male listeners for disregarding your existence at the top of the show. Um, I love that we have a male submitted question. And I know we're going to get to that in a minute. But as we jump into men's health, because the predominance of those listeners that are with us are women, I personally have three sons and a husband. So for me, even though it might not pertain to me, just like our male listeners listen to our menstruation show or different things like that and can apply those things to the women that they love. Um, I'm really looking forward to applying this to the males in my life. So don't feel like it's not for you. I think it is always good to educate ourselves and to learn. And I know Sarah's done a ton of research, so I'm excited to jump in. So this week's episode is inspired by a question from John and John writes, Hi, ladies. I know if I say nice things, there's a better chance my question will be answered. How true. He's no dummy. John knows what's up. Fortunately, that's easy to do. As a researcher myself, I love that the Paleo View emphasizes facts over dogma. I know when you answer a question, I will learn something, and that is about the highest compliment I can give a podcast. I love that the two of you are interesting to listen to, and I have been a regular listener since about episode 20. The early shows were good, too. (laughs) He knows what I'm going to (laughs) say. Oh, John. As one of your six male listeners, my question involves men's health. While there have been a number of shows dedicated to women's health, I have often wondered if there would be any link between a paleo diet 
or other dietary factors and testosterone and or erectile dysfunction. There's a pretty substantial supplement business that claims to raise testosterone. Any truth to these claims? I know there's the basic eat a healthy diet and exercise, but I thought maybe you could bring more a more scientific approach to the question. I also feel that many women who have husbands and boyfriends dealing with these issues would be interested in understanding whether and how paleo might help. Thanks. John makes a compelling case. Oh, overwhelmingly so. Honestly, I don't know why we even bothered opening the show. We could have just let just jumped in. <laughs> awesome. Well, I will say testosterone, first of all, is not just a men's hormone. We've talked about it a little bit as it relates to women's health, but um, I don't know and understand particularly all of the different things that affects beyond just sex hormones and erectile dysfunction. It's also a regulator of health. So I am super looking forward to you diving in on this. I'm just giving you a break from reading the question to breathe. Like I've really got nothing else. You ready? I, I super appreciate it. It's, it's so noted and much appreciated. Um, yeah, I, um, I really want to take John's question and focus in on the role that testosterone has in men's health, the things that cause testosterone deficiency, what that looks like and what diet and lifestyle factors might be involved as well as addressing uh, John's question um, as to supplements that might raise testosterone and which ones uh, are backed with science and which, one, which ones aren't and which ones maybe have some not awesome safety things going on. Um, testosterone as uh, the predominant male sex hormone has uh, a major role in development and puberty. So that is typically what we think about. We think about, um, you know, teenage boys, testosterone turning on and that driving a lot of the, um, biological changes that are happening in that adolescent period of time. But testosterone continues to have a really fundamental role in, Health. And here's where a lot of the crossover with, with women's health actually happens. So testosterone regulates um, muscle size, strength, um, the sort of general uh, turnover of muscle tissue. It regulates bone growth and strength. So it's, it's regulating uh, demineralization and remineralization. It's, of course, regulating uh, things like sex drive, right, libido, uh, sperm production. That's um, it. Actually, regulates libido in women as well. Um, so it it has this this actually uh, it's a role that's um, related both to the physiological aspects of uh, sex drive as well as the psychological aspects. So testosterone is also neuroactive. It impacts mood. Uh, so things like perceived energy, motivation, competitiveness, aggression, it's impacting cognition, attention, memory, uh, spatial awareness, um, and ability to, um, complete, uh, uh, sort of like problem solving tasks that relate to, uh, uh, 3d shapes and things like that. And it's impacting behavior. So, uh, we certainly think of it in terms of mating behavior, but it's also impacting, um, things like, uh, you know, there is a link between high testosterone and violence. Um, and that is something that is, um, seen in the case of, um, uh, you know, doping, right? So athletes that are, are taking testosterone, 
um, or in the cases where there's a sort of a normal elevated testosterone. It also has a really interesting um, impact on negotiation and risk taking, um, which I thought some of this research was really, really fascinating. So there, um, there's these studies where uh, they give two men like 500 bucks and they tell uh, man one, make an offer to man two. Um, if man two accepts your offer of how you're going to split this money, you get to keep whatever, however you, your offer was, right? So there's one offer and then it's a yes or no acceptance. If man two doesn't accept your offer, nobody gets any money. So with well-regulated testosterone, man one is most likely to make a fair offer, right? So the fairest offer to spit split 500 bucks would be, uh, how about I'll take 250 and you take 250. If man two has well-regulated testosterone, he is more likely to accept the fair offer. If uh, man one has high testosterone, he's more likely to be kind of the greedy and make an unfair offer. I'll keep 400 bucks, you get 100. If man two has high testosterone, he's more likely to reject that offer. Nobody gets anything. So uh, rather, he'd rather accept no money than the perceived injustice. And if uh, the men have low testosterone, they're more likely to be very generous in their offer. So if man one has low testosterone, uh, I'll take 200, you get 300. Um, if man two has low testosterone, he's more likely to accept a, an unfair offer. So uh, he's more likely to accept that 100 bucks rather than get zero. So it's a, it's a really interesting way that testosterone is impacting um, again, sort of like negotiation, risk-taking. Um, and so it, it has a pretty, um, pretty intense impact on psychology in addition to physiology. And then of course, testosterone, wait, wait, like all we, sex hormones. Can mm -hmm. I interrupt for a second? Because you just kind of blew my mind, especially because I am a female who negotiated for a living. And so I'm also like, what, what does this mean for me? But, um, <laughs> I think this is important to point out, not just in obviously this um, example, but I think we almost always, at least I think it's common knowledge that an increase or an abundance of testosterone can cause aggression. But what was kind of, you know, important for me that I want to point out is low testosterone can also be like lack of motivation, um, mm -hmm. lack of a healthy uh, competitive nature, right? Like when I think about um, the boys doing sports and how competition can actually be a really healthy thing, especially when you lose and you're able to shake the other person's hand, right? Like those healthy habits and mentality that that stick. Um, and so it's not just too much testosterone that we're talking about, because I know you're going to go into like a lot of other things. It's also too little testosterone that can really be a problem as well. Yeah. And actually, I want to emphasize because we are going to focus more on testosterone deficiency because as a health challenge, that is the thing that happens. Um, testosterone excess is really, um, there's a couple of very rare genetic disorders that will um, uh, drive testosterone production. Um, but other than that, um, you really only see testosterone excess in the context of a bodybuilder or a um, professional athlete 
doping with testosterone. So there's not, it's not a very common physiological occurrence that uh, the male body will make excess testosterone. That's a little bit different, right? In women, we have PCOS, which is sort of hallmarked by um, elevated testosterone, but we have so little in our bodies compared to men that we have this like room for excess. Um, with men, that's not the case. So with men, the health challenge related to testosterone that um, might also then, you know, it's caused by, say, poor diet or sedentary behavior or sort of other lifestyle challenges that we'll get into, that challenge is low testosterone. So it's it's much more common for a man to be challenged by low testosterone than high, right? High really comes, high is a predictable problem because you were injecting yourself with it. Um, low is the thing that um, it actually, testosterone just generally decreases with age, starting in middle age, one uh, to 2% per year. So it is something that is considered part of normal aging. Um, but there's, uh, symptoms. I mean, it's not necessarily as dramatic as, as menopause because it's not, um, it's like a, this gradual decline for men compared to women, but there are some symptoms actually that really echo menopause that happen in men if their testosterone is low. Um, and we can actually go through like symptoms of testosterone deficiency. It includes things like hot flashes, right? We think of that as a, a menopause symptom, but it actually can be a symptom of testosterone deficiency, um, reduced, uh, body and facial hair, loss of muscle mass, um, here's where things really tie into John's question, low libido, erectile dysfunction, impotence, small testicles, uh, reduced sperm count and infertility. Um, it can actually lead to men to, to form breast tissue. Um, it can cause irritability, depression, poor concentration, um, and actually uh, osteoporosis. So it can cause brittle bones and an increased risk of fracture. And so those are sort of like the classic symptoms of testosterone deficiency. And of course, as is the case with all hormones, there's a spectrum. So a small deficiency in this hormone is going to cause an amount of these symptoms that might be easily, um, dismissed and, oh, I'm stressed. I'm tired. Right. That's, that's why my libido is so low. I haven't been to the gym lately. That's why I'm feeling weak. Right. It's, it's very common as sort of like all of these hormone regulation issues that when the problem first starts, it's something so minor that we sort of easily brush it off. And then it's not until it's a really big problem that we go, Hey, what's going on. And I think also a lot of these, right. If your symptom, is your dominant symptom is depression, you might not necessarily tie that to testosterone unless you have a really good functional medicine specialist or you go and, for example, do the men's health panel from, from Everlywell and actually get some testosterone numbers back. The problems with elevated testosterone, again, I mean, those are all of the things that uh, classically we associate with um, you know, bodybuilders, right? Having the, the really bad acne, um, it wrecks their liver, it increases um, heart attack risk, um, it, right, it also causes weight gain, um, which is then is why bodybuilders do the um, bulking and then cutting type cycles. It's all driven by 
um, some of the things that are happening with with excess testosterone. Uh, that's the associated aggressive behavior, the irritability, impaired judgment. Uh, it can literally cause like delusions. Um, so there's there's all kinds of health issues that are associated with high testosterone that is seen. Um, the the dominant science this comes from is is um, studies of um, athletes who are doping. Sarah, I just want to pause for a second because you've used a word a couple of times and I, and I know that there are going to be male listeners who listen to the show who are like, you know what, I think I might have low testosterone. I'm going to get tested. I may take it. And I feel like there is a social stigma on quote unquote doping or taking um, cream to increase your testosterone or different kinds of things that can be done. And I I just want to make sure our listeners don't think that we're judging them for what they might need to do for their health. Oh, sure. Um, so uh, let's differentiate a little bit between the word doping and hormone replacement. So doping specifically refers to taking excess. So you're not trying to achieve normal levels. You're trying to achieve high levels for the sake of performance, right? Doping is the thing that is banned in professional sports. Doping is the thing that they uh, test professional athletes for, they test at the Olympics for, to make sure that you're not taking any banned substances. And I think it's really important to sort of differentiate that from hormone replacement, because if your levels are low, the the best um, treatment for that, again, this would be a conversation that you would have with your doctor, may be to take exogenous testosterone. And it would be the exact same thing that an athlete would take, right? So it'd be the exact same uh, route of administration, the exact same bioidentical testosterone. The difference is the philosophy behind it. So if you're taking it as a hormone replacement, your goal is to reach normal levels and to regulate your testosterone and, and address deficiency compared to an athlete taking it as a ba banned substance. Their goal is to increase performance. Um, and their cost-benefit analysis is, is a very different um, it's different, right? So they look at the problems associated with testosterone excess, and that is an okay trade for them. Um, and that's why it's banned in professional sports. So let's let's differentiate a little bit in that terminology. So um, I realized that the word doping for some people could mean just taking exogenous testosterone, period, no matter what the situation. I'm really using it specifically in the context of trying trying to achieve excess testosterone to uh, improve athletic performance as opposed to hormone replacement, which the goal would be to try to regulate and get to normal levels. Thank you. Yeah, I have obviously met a lot of people in the competitive lifting space who are great people making a, a choice for where they want to, you know, put their health factors. And that's, that's a personal choice. It's not one I ever made. Um, and I think it's important with this show to kind of understand why. And I, I think that's kind of a thing is, Messing with hormones is dangerous, period. <laughs> so yeah. let's jump into the show to learn a little more about that. Uh, so focusing in, uh, again, on the health challenge of testosterone deficiency, um, beyond the symptoms that are associated with it, there are some other um, bigger risk factors that 
um, I think um, I find them, you know, I would find them very motivating to, to get tested and address testosterone deficiency because deficiency also increases risk of metabolic syndrome of uh, cardiovascular disease and mortality and uh, testosterone because it feeds directly into the immune system like all sex hormones. Uh, low testosterone is just inflammatory by itself. So we know that testosterone con concentration, basically the lower it is, the higher pretty much every marker of inflammation. And um, there's even some studies showing that uh, therapy, right? So testosterone um, replacement therapy can reduce markers of inflammation that it can, for example, in men with, uh, like Hashimoto's thyroiditis that, um, doing testosterone therapy at the same time as, uh, thyroid hormone therapy can actually, um, achieve better regulation of thyroid hormones, including reduction in thyroid antibodies. There's some, um, uh, there needs to be more science, but there's now some science linking testosterone deficiency with increased risk of Alzheimer's. Um, so there's, there's some other potentially like bigger consequences. Um, if the symptoms are things that are manageable, it's, it's still worthwhile investigating, doing some testing and, and really trying to, to dig a little deeper in terms of, um, measuring testosterone levels and potentially either addressing diet and lifestyle factors that might regulate testosterone better and, or testosterone hormone replacement in order to bring levels up to normal to reduce those other risk factors. So how would one know about normal levels? I know, I know we're going to um, refer people to that Everly test, but like, what are they basing, um, quote unquote, ideal levels on? Yeah, that's a really, so one of the things that's really interesting about testosterone is the normal range for men is huge. And, um, there's, there's not really a good, um, a, a good, indicator of like, should one person be at the lower end of the range or the higher end of the range in order to have optimal whatever it is. So how it's typically diagnosed is this, this huge range, which goes from 264 to 916 nanograms per deciliter. And that's based on measuring the testosterone levels in healthy young men. So men between the ages of like 19 and 39 who are healthy weight, have no, you know, no other health issues who are active and then measure their testosterone levels. And that's how those lab ranges are established. Um, so deficiency is typically, um, diagnosed based on the combination of the actual number and symptom checklists. And there are, right, a functional medicine specialist might see a testosterone level in say the 300s, um, not technically low, but matched with all of the deficiency symptoms, that functional medicine specialist may still try to bring um, your testosterone up based on the combination of sort of it being on the lower end of the normal range and you exhibiting symptoms of, of low testosterone. So this is why working with a functional integrative medicine practitioner can be very, very helpful. But again, Everlywell has a straight testosterone test 
that's quite inexpensive and also a men's health panel that includes testosterone, DHEA, which is a precursor for testosterone, uh, estradiol. So sometimes um, testosterone levels can be normal, but if estrogen is too high, that can mimic testosterone deficiency. And cortisol, which is the the main stress hormone, and that's because um, just like sex hormones are very sensitive to stress in women, they are as well in men. So if cortisol is too high, that will often just by itself cause testosterone deficiency. That makes sense. I, I know that's the particular one that we ordered for Matt. Um, but I just want to point out to people that the just the testosterone test in and of itself, if you wanted to look at that after listening to this show is $59. And I think that's before our discount code, correct? Mm-hmm. Correct. So, the code, the paleo view for 15% off. So for under 50 bucks, you can check into this and given what a drastic effect it has on overall health, that to me is such a worthwhile investment to one's health. For sure. So addressing the part of John's question that was, like, how does paleo influence testosterone levels and men's sexual health? Um, there's actually no studies that look at uh, sort of these uh, named diets like Mediterranean diet or paleo diet. There's a couple keto studies. They have conflicting results. Um, but there's still a lot of information about micronutrients, about lifestyle, uh, some broader dietary factors that can help influence how we implement a paleo diet in order to best support testosterone regulation and, I mean, just health in general. So, um, you know, what John mentioned was sort of like healthy diet and exercise. Exercise is one of the best things that, I mean, men and women can do to support testosterone production specifically resistance training. So testosterone typically is elevated by resistance training. That's um, basically, uh, weightlifting is really what we're talking about, but there's a lot of body weight motions that would, you know, like push-ups um, that would be incorporated in that. Whereas endurance training, so that's the run for a long time, right? Marathon training, uh, cycling triathletes is where this data typically comes from, does tend to lower testosterone, especially when combined with caloric restriction. So uh, endurance training and, um, right, so running well on a diet to lose weight can can pretty dramatically lower testosterone. So this is one of the um, main actual arguments for resistance training because testosterone being beneficial for both men and women, it's one of the, I think, uh, key benefits that and the increased basal metabolic rate that we get out of resistance training. So yay, weightlifting. It's, I did a talk on this at AHS, like, half a decade ago or something. Mm-hmm. It is incredible what um, that deep muscle fiber tissue work can do for your health. So it is not something that I have been able yet to reincorporate into my life after my injury. But even then, like the Matt and um, Cole, I'm like, you guys need to get out there and, and lift. <laughs> like even if it's just like in the garage, it is so, so, so good for you. So there's also some really strong links between um, testosterone levels and other lifestyle factors. So this won't come as a surprise, um, but actually sleep is one of the biggest lifestyle influences on 
testosterone. So there's a variety of studies that show that just not getting enough sleep. So there, there was a couple of really good studies where they take people, they bring them into a, an institution. They say, you have to get at least eight hours of sleep a night, but you can sleep as much as you want for the first week. And then for the second week, you're only allowed to get five hours of sleep. And uh, that decreases testosterone by an average of 15%, which uh, is basically the same as like a, roughly a 60 to 65-year-old man just from the normal decreases from aging. Uh, that probably is linked to decreased REM sleep. So there are separate studies that show that um, testosterone levels will decrease um, when you don't have enough REM sleep. Um, so there's studies that look at REM sleep in your nocturnal testosterone and then studies that look at total sleep and daytime testosterone. And they both basically find that the less sleep you get, the lower testosterone is. Um, but that REM sleep seems to be particularly important, which is actually really interesting because um, we typically think of deep sleep as being physiologically restorative and REM sleep as being psychologically restorative. And what this implies is some really interesting feedbacks between uh, sort of neural health, brain health, and hormonal health, which does make sense, right? Because it is the um, hypothalamus and the pituitary gland in the brain that are the, right, the, all of the axes that start HP, there is an HPG axis, right? A hypothalamic pituitary gonadal axis that is regulating sex hormones in men and women. And there is this huge feedback loop in the brain. And so it appears as though, REM sleep is actually helping to regulate something in the pituitary, the hypothalamus that is then translating to better testosterone regulation in men, which I, I mean, another reason to get eight hours of sleep every single night. It is incredible. The things that you have taught us about <laughs> sleep and vegetables, <laughs> right? Just those two things. That's like, if I had to distill my main messages to just two, those would be it. Um, stress also, uh, you know, I think this is probably the least surprising thing, but stress feeds into this system as well. Generally, acute stress will increase testosterone and chronic stress will decrease testosterone. And, and that, I think, makes a lot of sense from a evolutionary perspective. If you think about acute stress as being like the lion um, having a like acute increase, right? This like sudden increase in testosterone, which can increase uh, energy, cognition, right? Muscle strength, um, uh, muscle fatigue, right? All of those things that would help survive that situation. But when your stress is turned on all the time, as we see in so many other systems, what happens is eventually, basically, the the body kind of adapts, and it adapts by downregulating everything. So, um, chronic stress is is definitely linked to low testosterone. And then, in terms of diet, um, actually, as as I mentioned, there's not much data out there in terms of. Um, big dietary trends. There's a couple of studies showing that low-carb diets can reduce testosterone, but they're quite extreme diets. So the diets that are used in those studies are 45% uh, protein, 50% fat, and only 5% carb, which is a what would be called a zero-carb diet, but it's also not keto. 
Um, the keto studies looking at testosterone, there's some that show testosterone increases and some some that show that testosterone decreases. There's definitely not enough data at this point to make any conclusions about how ketogenic diets impact testosterone levels. So other than other than that, um, the the relation with diet and testosterone is much more micronutrient focused. So there's deficiency in a few different nutrients can actually cause low testosterone, vitamin A, vitamin D, zinc, magnesium, and vitamin K. Um, and so, and in all of those nutrients, supplementation can restore testosterone levels. So uh, this is really the animal form of vitamin A that you would be getting from liver. With vitamin D, it's probably most important to fix deficiency. So studies have used doses anywhere between 400 IUs a day to 20,000 IUs per day in testosterone-deficient men and seen testosterone levels increase. Um, they're not um, I have not yet seen a really good study that measures the, uh, how deficient somebody is and then dials in a vitamin D dose to reach vitamin D sufficiency. Um, they just tend to be like, oh, we'll just give all of these, you know, infertile men 20,000 IUs of vitamin D a day and see how many of their wives get pregnant. And there are studies that, that literally are set up that way. Um, but, uh, I would, I would definitely argue again for really for all micronutrients, um, we really want to be reaching sufficiency, but not excess, right? So for everything, there's this happy medium level, which is why getting our nutrients from food is always optimal. But I will refer everyone to our vitamin D show, which was episode 354, uh, in which we talked about the challenges of addressing vitamin D deficiency with, with food and sun exposure alone and talked about, um, vitamin D supplementation and, and testing again, Everlywell has a very inexpensive vitamin D kit. That's super straightforward to do. Um, also omega-3 fats. Um, this is, looks like it's specifically the long chain omega-3 fats, DHA and EPA that we would get from fish help to support testosterone metabolism and can help to increase testosterone if it's low. Um, but deficiency in omega-3s doesn't cause low testosterone. So it's a, it's a slightly different category. Whereas like deficiency in zinc lowers testosterone. Like zinc is super, super important for, um, the, the, basically the manufacture of testosterone. And so just restoring zinc levels can bring testosterone back up. Uh, what's really interesting is that these nutrients don't, like if you supplement healthy men with these nutrients, it doesn't cause testosterone excess. So it's, it's really is related to deficiency in these nutrients, driving the low testosterone, restoring these nutrients to normal levels helps to restore testosterone. And it's, it's not, um, it's not necessarily one for one, right? So it's not that the more vitamin A that we have or the more zinc we have, the more testosterone we make. It's that vitamin A and vitamin D and zinc and magnesium and vitamin K are really important for the formation of testosterone. So not having enough hinders the formation. Once you have enough, that system can help re can regulate itself. So that's really good news um, because it's, uh, it's different than taking exogenous testosterone where you have to really work with a, a physician to dial in the right dose to, to stay in a healthy range and look at symptoms of deficiency or excess as part of that decision-making. If deficiency is related to 
a, a micronutrient deficiency, then it's a, it's a much easier problem to solve. Cause then it's just a question of like, you know, addressing that deficiency, whether through supplementation or ideally through concentrated food sources. And basically, you know, it's a, it's a very root cause, root cause approach. Um, I think it's also worth mentioning that uh, chronic alcohol consumption can cause low testosterone and uh, basically antioxidants in general, if you're not getting enough from your diet, can magnify that effect. So there's the best studied one is vitamin E. So showing that vitamin E deficiency magnifies the reduction in testosterone caused by high alcohol consumption. I thought that one was probably worth mentioning. And there's also a, um, there's not a good link between testosterone levels and like BMI. So there's, there's, it's not that if someone's overweight, their testosterone is going to be low and the heavier they are, the lower their testosterone, that link doesn't exist. But there is some interesting studies showing that losing weight can help boost testosterone levels. So it seems to be, there's certainly some, um, hormonal links with what, you know, fat cells, um, are fat cells produce hormones that feed into the, um, testosterone production chemistry, but it, it's a very complex relationship. So there does seem to be some aspect of if you're overweight and have low testosterone, that losing weight may help to boost your testosterone. But it doesn't mean if someone is overweight that they will automatically have low testosterone. Does that make sense? It does make sense. And I think also it's difficult to view on a test by BMI because someone who is an athlete, for example, a bodybuilder would have a high BMI, but a low percent of body fat. Well, lower relatively, right? right. So it's BMI is like the worst measure for this particular example, because looking at a chart just by BMI, you would have no idea what someone's body fat was. So, yeah, I think typically for these studies, and I would, I would need to go back and and look at exactly how they recruited for these studies. Um, they'll often do measurements related to BMI, but they'll often, their criteria, for inclusion in the studies is more, um, related to, uh, they won't have necessarily a body fat percentage, but they are definitely, definitely excluding somebody who has a high BMI because they are all muscle. Um, so they'll usually look at things like hip to waist ratio and other, other waist circumference and other measures of, um, uh, overweight due to too much fat storage as opposed to all, all, all muscles. Um, but I would have to go back and have a look at these studies and see exactly how they were designed because there are certainly studies where they, especially like these big population studies where the only data they have is height and weight. And those studies, their data is definitely getting, um, watered down by people who have a high BMI, but have a high BMI because they're so athletic. So I don't know if that directly applies to this, this study, but it is a very good point about those types of that type of research in general. Okay. So what would you recommend for people who, um, are looking to naturally, like you said, whole food sources and different kinds of things to increase testosterone? Um, yeah, so I, I would definitely recommend like 
looking at your intake of those micronutrients that I just mentioned, evaluating sleep, evaluating other lifestyle habits, right? Stress reduction and uh, exercise and see if there's an obvious plate. Like that's the low hanging fruit, right? When it comes to low testosterone, is there some changes that uh, we can make with diet and lifestyle that are likely to help regulate testosterone? I think that is the first place to start. Um, and obviously if testosterone is really low, that's going to be skip over supplements and go straight to working with a functional medicine specialist and looking at testosterone replacement therapy that, um, the safety of testosterone replacement therapy, um, is it's fairly well established that it is safe. Um, and so if the goal is we measure testosterone and we try to bring you up to normal range, that's that's like that's a, a really great choice. There are some supplements that have been shown to um, sometimes it's boost testosterone. Um, I as I was researching this, I was really looking at supplements that are used to help treat low testosterone, which is a slightly different way of looking at it and looking at safety profiles. So I made a list of supplements that have some good science behind them to show that they can help restore testosterone levels. Um, that also, there's some that probably our listeners may have heard of if this is um, something that they've been researching on their own. If I have not mentioned it, it is because there are potential concerns with that supplement. So um, I tried to be very, very thorough in putting together this list. Uh, so I just want to mention that because there are there are certainly some that I am not going to talk about, and that's because... Um, the, the safety is still in question. I think that's super important that you just called that out because part of the original question was specific to a particular product that wasn't mentioned. And I honestly have no idea that says there's pretty substantial supplement businesses mm-hmm. business that claims to raise testosterone. So this is not, we're not mentioning any brands here, but as educated consumers, as we all try to encourage you to do, like the list that Sarah is about to share with you, obviously we're not medical professionals and we encourage you to work with one if you do have low testosterone. Um, But if you're looking at a supplement that claims to have something like this, this would be a list of ingredients that maybe would work versus like, who knows what else. Some of there are there are some supplements on the market that have fairly good science showing that they can increase testosterone, but in a way that is not. Um, so there is a feedback loop with testosterone that helps to regulate levels, right? So uh, hypothalamus tells pituitary gland tells uh, gonads. So for in men, most of their testosterone is made in their testicles. In women, it's mostly made in our adrenal glands. So for men, it's made in both places. But the reason why they have so much higher testosterone than women is because women don't have testicles to make testosterone for us. So um, then the testosterone basically is going in the blood and it goes and tells the brain that we've got enough testosterone. And then the brain like slows down those signals, right? That's called a negative feedback loop. So it's a way of regulating how much testosterone is being produced. There are a couple of supplements that seem to increase testosterone, but in a way that overrides that um, feedback loop, which means there's the capacity for 
causing elevated testosterone. And I really wanted to focus in on things that will help normalize testosterone, which is a really different approach. But also those same supplements that seem to elevate testosterone have a very, very long list of side effects, which is something to always be concerned about. If you see a supplement that you know also says may cause, right, diarrhea and liver damage and like all of these different warnings you consult your my, doctor you should have seen my face when you said that i was like no don't do liver damage um no but it's i mean it's that that's that's <laughs> so the supplement industry also is not as regulated as the drug industry um but generally if you see a consult a physician if you have any of the following symptoms type warning on a supplement um, it, that doesn't always mean that the supplement is not the right thing for you, but it definitely means like get a professional opinion before taking. Don't just grab that one off the shelf and just be like, woohoo, I'm going to take all the whatever it is. I, again, I really wanted to focus in on um, supplements that can both help to address testosterone deficiency, but have a really strong safety profile. So the first one is DHEA, which is actually a hormone. Um, and this is one that I would definitely recommend if you do the men's health panel from, uh, Everly well, or if your functional integrative medicine practitioner does a uh, hormone testing, this will be on that panel. And the studies have shown that taking between 50 and hundred milligrams of DHEA can boost testosterone levels by up to 20% in, um, men with testosterone deficiency or men with infertility. However, it doesn't seem to help if DHEA is normal. So as I mentioned earlier, uh, in chronic stress, um, basically the precursors for testosterone basically get robbed. This is the same pregnenolone steel that can cause estrogen dominance in women. Um, they get stolen to make cortisol. And so DHEA as being like the step before testosterone in that chemical um, chemical sort of step-by-step -step reaction to, to form testosterone um, is also going to be low if chronic stress is the main driver behind testosterone. So if your DHA is low um, and cortisol is high, which you would find out from that men's health panel, that is definitely a like, whoa, let's address stress maybe work with a functional medicine practitioner to figure out whether or not adaptogens are called for here. And DHA may be very helpful in bringing testosterone levels back up for that particular case. I would not recommend that somebody take DHEA without consulting a healthcare provider first. Um, creatine, uh, which is a peptide, is very well understood to help uh, increased testosterone. Um, again, it is um, not something that is likely to cause high testosterone. Um, and it's something that we can get, we don't need to get in, always in supplements. It's basically found in animal foods. So just about all animal foods, but especially red meat are pretty high in creatine. Um, and it's got some other beneficial effects that are not related to testosterone. So safety profile wise, uh, very, very good with the exception of taking very high levels can strain the kidneys. So that is why either taking a relatively small dose, if you're going to go supplement or incorporating some healthy animal foods, seafood and red meat, especially, uh, is a good, 
a good approach for the, for the creatine. And that might be related to, um, why there's been a lot of studies that are trying to hone in on protein intake and testosterone. Um, the studies are, the data is really mixed, but creatine amount might be one of the things that is influencing that data. That is, um, there's that is interesting because I think it always is pointed to soy because soy increases estrogen, which would have an effect, but not necessarily mm-hmm. to decrease testosterone. So, I mean, there is a you know a correlation there, but like for sure, one estrogen doesn't necessarily decrease. Anyway, um, fascinating, and um, it is also a supplement that I know a lot of lifters that I worked with, um, who were not doping used and said that they really felt the effects of, in terms of muscle building for what that's worth. For sure. There's actually really strong studies showing that creatine can improve muscle recovery and, um, uh, it basically accelerate strength gains from, from workouts. So it, it has all of these other benefits and, and actually can help to preserve lean muscle mass during fat loss too. So, so creatine is, is very well studied in, in a variety of situations with other than very high doses being a, a strain on the kidneys. It is got a very good safety profile. Um, deaspartic acid is an, a natural amino acid that, um, actually seems to be addressing uh, testosterone production from the level of the pituitary glands. So the actually fixing the hormones that are signaling to the testicles to make testosterone, um, and doses of two to three grams per day have been used in, in clinical trials and seem to be effective for people who are testosterone deficient. Um, there's some, um, like herbs that have been shown to help boost testosterone. So like fenugreek and ginger have been shown to help boost testosterone levels in, um, people with testosterone deficiency, um, for fenugreek, the doses were 500 milligrams per day and they were in capsules. Um, for ginger, the doses sort of range, but 500 milligrams to two grams a day. It's, this one's really fascinating to me because Fenugreek is also a supplement that's been shown to increase um, production of breast milk in nursing mm-hmm. mothers. And I'm like, how is that mechanism working for both things? Yeah, and I I have not dug really deeply into what it is in fenugreek that seems to regulate hormones, if it is a micronutrient or specific, specific phytochemical. So with these... Um, with the plant-based, right, like fenugreek, ginger, cordyceps, which is a medicinal mushroom, has also been used in like traditional Chinese medicine for hundreds of years for male sexual dysfunction. And the um, scientific data is like starting to catch up and showing there's really good now animal data and cell culture data showing that it increases testosterone production and like a couple of human studies that have been done. So like there obviously needs to be more human studies to really understand the best dose right now, sort of like one gram a day, which is a fairly low dose have been, have been used. But, um, it's, it's interesting to me because when you look at those, those, what's in those things, right? So there's typically something really good for the gut microbiome and something that's really good for the immune system. And so how it's actually regulating, our sex hormones is still somewhat of a mystery, like what the actual 
pathways are. Um, but again, it, it seems there seems to be something something in uh, um, the whole HPG axis that is being better regulated with those phytochemicals. I think it's really cool. Um, and then the last one I have to mention is ashwagandha. Uh, big asterisk behind that because it is a nightshade. So um, a lot of people with autoimmune disease don't do well in ashwagandha and a lot of people do. So again, if you're, if you're nightshade sensitive and you're thinking about taking ashwagandha, uh, definitely run it past a healthcare provider, but it's pro that one is probably related to ashwagandha is, um, a really fantastic adaptogen that, um, it's not necessarily a strong stimulator or a strong suppressor so much as it just sort of helps to improve adrenal health. And so that being helpful for testosterone deficiency is probably related to the link with chronic stress. So it's, it's probably more um, regulating stress hormones and how that is improving testosterone. Fascinating. And I did not know... Well, first of all, I don't know what ashwagandha is, but I would not have known it's a nightshade. So that's good, <laughs> good info, insider info there. Um, I think that a lot of these things are very accessible. And like you said, there's not a downside to harming health. Um, so I just want to remind people, though, before you go and create a smoothie with all the things um, or start taking all the pills, that testing your hormone levels and knowing where you are is so impactful. And while you could do this a variety of ways, if you are someone who is short on time, if you're embarrassed to go to the doctor, if your copay is too high, whatever it is, Sarah and I both use and recommend Everlywell. That is why we have partnered with them on this show. Um, it's not because some random reason it is intentional <laughs> that we're like, Hey, this is, this makes a lot of sense. Um, so you could test you or a loved one or whoever could test their hormone levels for under 50 bucks with the paleo view code. And then you would know where you are and you could work with a functional medical professional. You could then know if you're, you know, within a healthy range, but you feel like maybe you're a little sluggish, like take some supplements, whatever it is, right? Like I'm not a doctor. I don't want to tell you what to do, but I, I do think that it's important that with something like this that affects so much of human health, we take it seriously and we, we test and we know where we are so that then we have an understanding of what the best next steps are. And we're not just like guessing and playing with our health. Yeah, I I thank you for for wrapping up on that note because I'm I'm going to emphasize how important it is to make decisions based on data when we're talking about hormone levels. Um, you know, it's easy like the right eating more liver and oysters to get enough vitamin A and zinc is is an easy thing to do that is going to be helpful for a variety of reasons. Like that entire list of nutrients that are important for testosterone health in men are also all of the immune health nutrients, right? Like they're, they're super important. Getting enough sleep is always going to be good. So if you're addressing it purely from a diet and lifestyle perspective, um, the, 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 there's no risk to healthy diet and lifestyle, right? So the, the number to 
act on is maybe less important, but if you're going to do any of these other steps to help address perceived testosterone deficiency, it would be much better to have confirmed testosterone deficiency and know that you're making choices based on data. Whoop, whoop, drop the mic. There it is. <laughs> That's fantastic. Uh, we need to record that. Was that a pen? It was, yeah. it was, it was good. It was, yeah. it was a metal object uh, that I felt would replicate a microphone. Mm-hmm. We're going to use that every time in every episode <laughs> from now on, whenever we need to drop the mic. That's great. Also, you should know. Also, oh, I said should. You would love to know that um, Matt inserted a Star Wars, I don't like sand reference in the last show. <laughs> <laughs> Because I know you don't go back and listen to it. So <laughs> listeners, if you're just listening to this show and you didn't listen to the last show and you like Star Wars, go listen to my declaration of not liking sand. <laughs> listeners. That's fantastic. Thank you so much for tuning in. And we hope that this show was helpful. We actually have several additional hormone and health related, both male and female topics that we would like to cover in the next few weeks, maybe months, as we explore how much research and information we need to do into these. But I know that for me, this is kind of where I am in my journey and and diving in deeper and all that kind of stuff. And I think um, we love to talk about food and all of that. And obviously it relates in, but hopefully diving in a little deeper into the why and the how is helpful. If you love this show, the best thing you can do is leave a review so that other people can find it and share it with people that you love so that they can also discover the paleo view. And I just want to thank you again so, so much for being here. And I look forward to talking to you again next week from my home, probably with Penny at my feet. And thanks again to Everlywell for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. As a reminder, you can go to everlywell.com slash the paleo view and get 15% off with the code the paleo view. Thank you for listening to the paleo view. If you enjoyed the show, please take a moment to rate us on iTunes. You can also support us by shopping for our favorite paleo products on the sidebars of our individual websites or by donating through PayPal. you being so smart I know it's like I've done this once or twice before (laughs) you know what's interesting is this show we didn't even talk about the other it's like other factors that affect other human health things like like the myriad right we just like kind of opened up the can of worms and I'm sitting here thinking like we didn't even talk about personal care products affecting men's health and it's ironic because there's a beauty counter sale this week on men's health products so I don't know Matt might put this in bloopers or something (laughs) listeners if you're still listening um the sale is through August 12th but I highly recommend making sure that your men are using safer products as well for whatever that is um they have been linked to breast cancer and a whole bunch of other things which we'll probably eventually get to but um yeah you know you know what else increases testosterone in men dominance challenges i was like i don't know where this is going i'm just gonna be quiet no so there was uh there's some behavioral things my children wrestle each other all the time yeah yeah so also and 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 pornography 
Oh, they're uh, not doing that, I hope. No. It it I mean it's a transient increase. We didn't need to talk about it on the show because it's like it goes up for a couple hours and we were really trying to address the long-term wow. effects. But uh in my research on testosterone, I came up with lots of fun facts. That's interesting. Yeah. And it makes me feel like maybe my children constantly trying to wrestle each other and also my husband and his brothers isn't the worst thing, but I'm like, nope, it's still the worst thing. It's obnoxious. <laughs> also, it really explains why men like porn and women not as much. Hmm. Like they're drawn to it because it because it increases the their testosterone. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. And women don't have the same effect. That is but fascinating. Put on a good rom com. Woohoo! Watch out. Oh, I just want to go to sleep after that. <laughs> <laughs> Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free to play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.